0: This is Brad Massey, Regional Sales Manager with AutoMate Diva Management Systems. If you want to learn what it takes to succeed, then you should be listening to Breaking Business
1: Barriers with my good friends Brent, Joseph, and Brandon. Welcome to Breaking Business Barriers, where we believe that choosing to go all in is the only way to create true freedom in your business and life. Now join your host, Brent Duhain, Dr. Joseph K. and Brandon Straza, as they talk to industry leaders, veteran CEOs, and cutting edge entrepreneurs about the tough decisions they made on their way to success. This is Breaking Business Barriers. ...reaching
0: a critical point in my, uh, my work life that kind of put me in a total di- different direction than what I had planned on doing. Okay. And uh, there, there's some certain things that uh, caused me to do that. My my degrees put me in a in a certain route. I wanted to retire at a certain time, and and just had a whole bunch of things that that hit, and caused me to completely go, like
1: I said, in a total different direction. Hmm. Are you going to retire? This is an early question. Are you going to retire when you originally wanted to? I had a goal to retire when I was 55. Okay. I've got an accounting degree and a
0: finance degree, and I was yep. really good at planning stuff, and so. I started funding accounts and accounts for my kids' education and did that for about four years and then hit the big fork in the road. So, no, I am not going to retire when I'm
1: 55. All right, but you're still happy with where you're at, and we're going to get to that fork in the road here in a minute. You've got three handsome gentlemen that you're you're raising, which hopefully we'll hear a little bit about. But your career spans anywhere from KPMG. You owned and operated up to five CC stores that you owned Correct. and operated other ones. Correct. Uh, so, we're going to hear a little bit about uh, the franchise business, which I think a lot of people will be interested in. Um, Your uh, dealer socket CRM for the auto industry, and now currently you are at? I work for a company called Automate Dealer Management
0: Systems They're okay. out of Albany, New York. And I live here in Texas and kind of cover Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and a little bit of other states.
1: All right, gotcha. So, uh, you know, tell us a little bit, how did you end up getting into the CC's franchise? It's, it's, it's really interesting. I, I uh, always wanted to be an FBI agent. And okay. so
0: i that was my route, was to, I mean, my goal was to be an FBI agent. As a kid, my dad's best friend was an FBI agent and up in the Texas panhandle. And as a little kid, he'd come over to the house and all the neighborhood kids would get around there and ask him to flip his siren on. And, oh, yeah. you know, as a, as a little kid, that was that was fantastic. Absolutely. So as I went to school, the, the easiest way to get in the FBI was to go ahead and and uh, either go to law school or get your MBA with two years full-time work experience or get your accounting degree. And there were some other there were some other classes or classifications that you could do to get in the FBI. but the easy not the easiest route, it's a difficult route, but getting your uh, accounting degree and becoming a CPA.
2: Mm -hmm. So that's what I wanted to do. Okay, yeah, yeah, and that would make for financial crimes, right, that would be exactly right. Right, and so at some point you, so you went and you got those degrees, and uh, and what happened, you didn't, did you try? Yeah,
0: so I I knew the agents when I was at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, I I knew the FBI agents. Right. I had my application, and as I went in with my application, I knocked on the door, and one of the agents came out, and he said, Brad, I can't take your application. And it just destroyed me. I was like, was, what are you talking about? How old were you at that point?
2: I was probably 22. Mm. Okay. And why, why couldn't they take the application? There was
0: a lawsuit going on um, in the federal agencies that was saying that the, the federal agents were hiring too many uh, white males. Okay. And, sure. And so there was a discriminatory lawsuit, discrimination lawsuit going on at that time. And so for two years, there was a hiring, there freeze. was a hiring freeze. Okay, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, exactly.
2: they're sorting that out. Yeah. And so you, you shifted gears and went from naturally FBI to pizza. No, Not, <laughs> okay. but I'm getting there. Right. So
0: I went from the, the FBI because I had the account and the finance degree, um, I had already interviewed with Pete Marwick because I still needed that some some work experience. Sure. Uh, FBI had a, an exam that was equivalent to the CPA exam, mm-hmm. and so that was I was going to take that instead of going the CPA route. Um, so I went to work for Pete Marwick for a year, and uh, got in on some big audits. I did nothing but really guard audit papers. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> right. I got. I got to say. Th- it sounds, that sounds boring to your personality. Like you got to, I mean, like you're sitting there saying, I'm going to be an FBI agent and now I'm uh-huh. auditing. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> that's exactly what I did. Yeah. So we, I, I got in on some, um, some merger and acquisitions and cause I was a little man on the totem pole. I sat in a room while, uh, big shots were coming in and out, checking out financial information and, and seeing if they were going to merge, mm-hmm. uh, eventually it didn't happen. But I, I got some experience and I did get into some cool audits. Um But I got to be honest, walking out to my car every day in a suit and seeing when they would open up the trunk, we'd all go out to eat, put our suit coats in there, and I would see three-inch thick tax accounting code <laughs> books. I just couldn't see myself
1: doing that. Just, I, I don't have the mind for not it. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with yeah. it. But About for you. Yeah. I just couldn't sit in an office. Okay. All right. So... Let's fast forward. we get past that. you eventually start a family, I'm guessing. and when was it that you got into saying, "I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to open my own franchise So that, that's kind of interesting because what happened
0: was my uncle had bought a uh, pizza franchise out of Capel, Texas, that's mm-hmm. where the the headquarters was, and um, my dad called me one day and he said, "Hey you want to?" This was kind of while I uh, was deciding I didn't want to stay in public accounting. Okay. And he said, Do you want to, do you, what do you think about going and looking at, at your uncle's store and seeing if this is something that you might want to do as an investment? Well, of course, I was totally poor coming out of college. Um, so we looked into it. I worked in a, in a store for one day. I was really interested because my, my uncle made some good money on it. It was, okay. a fran- like I said, a franchise. And then uh, we put in the application. I didn't have one hundred and fifty grand to put down. Sure. Uh, my dad had the money to do it, so I got really lucky there. And I borrowed another $250,000. Wow. And um, that's how we, we wound up doing it. And so they'd never had a franchise east of the Mississippi, so I was the first one to, to go out to the Atlanta area and open up some, some restaurants.
1: And how old were you when you decided to do this? I was
0: about
3: 23. Wow.
1: Oh, not a family started 24.
3: yet. Nope. No family yet. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so when you I'm, I'm interested because that's a lot of, that's a lot of money for anyone, let alone someone's 22. And, uh, did you do an SBA or what? I, I did. I did it on that first one. We did an SBA. Um, I felt really
0: guilty, um, because I had to borrow money from my dad and, uh,
1: but that's just how what we need to do to get our foot in the door. I had to do it when I when I uh, bought out my first business. I had to go to family and borrow money. So I, kn- I know how that feels. It's, it's a t- it's a pill that you got to swallow but that's great that he was able to help you. It, it was a it was a
0: blessing. We got out and we opened up our uh, in the middle of construction. First of all the contractor went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. So he had taken about 80 grand of our money oh, wow. and ran oh. And so that was a nightmare. So learning to deal with some dishonest people and and we eventually got it done. My franchise uh my franchise were helped out a little bit to get the construction done. But it was the business was extremely slow at first. Nobody knew what this franchise was.
1: Hmm.
2: hmm.
1: What? So, real quick, what year was this? If you were 23, 23 24. Let's see, 92. So, CC's was an unknown 94. name at that time. And pizza franchises. East
0: it was. Yeah. Everybody down here knew what it was. And I didn't know if I could say CC's Pizza. Sure, there, of course. So. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're good oh, with sorry. saying whatever. Yeah, we're good with anything okay, on Okay, cool. So... All right, we'll kind of take us down that road, but uh, real quick, anybody else before we find out what the you know the experience, the fork
3: in the road, anything that uh, that we want to know going into this as we get ready for sure. this next part? Sure. So, Brad, where, where can we find you on the social media? What tools do you use out there? Some are some are more yeah, than others. I, I, it's kind of kind of interesting. I, at my age, I'm just now kind of
0: learning about <laughs> some of the things. My my company is really good about uh, the company I work for now. Really good about doing the social media marketing and auto, automate. Uh, they've got some stuff on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook. and But me primarily, I, I use LinkedIn. I, I'm more of a follower of, of different people that I like. I don't post a lot of personal stuff on that. But Facebook, I'm, I'm kind of an open book
2: on, yeah, on it. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I think that's common. I think I think that a lot of people will gear their business side towards LinkedIn and use Facebook for more personal. Excellent. I want to hear about this fork the fork in the road. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're we're 23, 24,
1: and uh, hadn't started the family yet, and you you opened your first franchise. So let's let's get into the the meat and potatoes. The the,
0: the franchise was CC's Pizza, and it was great. There was a guy named Joe Croce that that started it. Uh, I, I had full faith in this guy. He's an incredible person, very dynamic. And CC's was out of Texas. They just didn't have anything east of the Mississippi yet. We opened up one in uh, Roswell Georgia and it turned out kind of slow I remember one time uh, a bus boy didn't show up mm. so I was busting tables you know as an owner you got to know how to do everything I remember going out to the alley and breaking down crying because we weren't getting the returns and I felt bad or felt guilty mm-hmm. that I wasn't getting the return from my dad right uh, six months later we had turned it around and it was
3: one of one of the top ten at that time at that time. So All right. we got started getting the cash flow in and things started going great. So you're, you're, you're humping it. You know, you're the garbage guy, probably the pizza making <laughs> guy from time to That's time. That's <laughs> Hey, I, I get it. But uh, what, what helped turn that, you know, outside of a lot of hard work, what helped turn it? I, I tell you, it was the hard work, uh, but I got to give a little bit of
0: credit to the marketing department that uh, from CC's, they started to drip some marketing in, uh, our, our marketing money that, that we were, were shelling out every month started to, to hit. But we, we started focusing on the schools and the kids and giving free buffet passes to the kids. We would do tours. We'd let kids come in, uh, do tours, teach them how to make pizzas. And then it just it took off. Nice. It was crazy.
3: So you really got into the community.
0: Yeah. Got in the community, built another one uh, in the Atlanta area. And then we decided we want to kind of get back to Texas. That time we had three kids. So we did that for about seven years up there, and during that time we had three kids. So you opened
1: two. You've got two, two married together. and three kids at this point. Right. Okay.
0: We wanted to get back to Texas. Sure. Um, so we, we were going to buy a couple of franchises in Texas, so I sold mine up there. And then the whole deal with me buying some in Texas fell through, <laughs> So, it, which was real disappointing. But then... Uh, Franchisor called and said, "Hey, we got one in New Mexico. You think about buying it?" And that was close enough to Texas; it was only an hour and a half from right. Amarillo. We wound up buying that and then building some more. Okay. So that's that kind of those were semi-successful uh, until 9/11. And mm-hmm. once 9/11 happened, uh, sales started decreasing. The profit margins were slowly going away. Sure. Uh, we were buying our product from the franchisor. Cheese prices doubled. That might not mean much to to folks, but when it's $100,000 of your cost in a year, mm-hmm. yeah, naturally. and it doubles, that's pretty much your your profit margin gone. Wow, I I got
1: asked why. I mean, like, did the cows like, pick it Great straight? question. <laughs> so it,
0: it's really interesting. The the dairy industry or the milk industry is one of the only industries that um has a lot of leeway, them and the American Medical Association, as far as uh, when it comes to setting prices, at least it was back then. Mm -hmm. So the, I believe it was the first five box carloads of cheese that was bought each day from the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, would set the price for cheese for everybody else that purchased. So what the dairy farmers, this is my understanding, they would, and I had some friends that were dairy farmers there and I loved them to death, but for every hundred weight of milk, they would set aside, I believe it was a nickel or something like that, into a fund. And they would go in and buy the first five box car loads each day.
1: <laughs> so
0: instead of it being you know, $1.16 for me, it became $2.30. So yeah. the margins were gone, unhappy wife. Uh, things just started Snippling. unraveling from there. The margins were gone, I was having to rob from one store to keep feeding the
1: other store. And it just, it became, a nightmare
2: it sounds incredibly stressful
1: was would would am i i might be wrong in this that kind of sounds like a racket and what happened with the cheese industry yeah it that's how i took it okay. and it felt like it was but what they did was legal well yes yeah.
0: and yeah. uh my, my friends that were the dairy farmers that you know that had the seven eight thousand square foot homes you know i i it was very upsetting to see that <laughs> but i was happy for them um it, very interesting if they weren't making enough money they actually milk the cows and go out and dump it into the fields
2: hmm.
0: wow because that, that, the more milk that's out there the price drops right,
2: right. supply and demand that's exactly it's, right. basic, gonna, it's basic economics yeah oh. i'm gonna kick myself if i don't ask this but what was the link was there was it a coincidental link or was there a link between post 9-11 and the decline in, in uh, well, the the,
0: the post nine eleven kind of kind of happened. Okay. Okay. And, and was that a
2: general economic? Yeah,
0: place? It it was. People really started in the uh, when they would go out to eat, they started watching their money a little bit less. There there was a nervousness out there. Yeah. And so I, we started seeing less and less people come in into the, right. the restaurant.
2: That would make sense. I mean, I, I've not read up on that, but there would be a general sense of uncertainty and people. The, there was a lot. Right. Okay. And so you the, all of this was happening it must have been incredibly stressful and you there was a fork in the road up ahead right yeah
0: so so I was I wasn't even breaking even at that point so I signed a management agreement to take over three or four other CCs up in the Albuquerque area so I wasn't home much. Uh, I made a huge route around New Mexico. I would go from from Clovis to Roswell to Santa Fe wow. to Albuquerque. So there, that made the family life really stressful yeah. for my and, ex-wife.
2: We, yes, and uh, <laughs> then there's a reason. There's a, a prefix to that, uh, right? And that caused a. Uh,
0: uh, it did. We we eventually, and we look back. And we talk. We're good friends now. And we look back and we talk about it. Um, it was very hard for me to be away from my kids, and the guilt. Um, then we had the, the margin decrease Yes, and it just seemed like everything was kind of coming to a head and, and then it came to a head. Um, uh, we got a, a divorce, uh, I wound up not renewing some of the franchise agreements and then we had the custody battle. Okay, So,
1: yeah, <laughs> fast forward a little bit though, like things are, you know, you're in a good place though, just to say, it, to say the least it was, I, I am now. Right. Absolutely. So, what I'll be open on
0: this, um, I wound up filing uh, Chapter Seven. Okay. Uh, that I had almost a million dollars in um, in in liabilities at that time. Wow. And I lost over nine hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! I had a store that was costing me three thousand dollars a week. Ugh. um So you know you go from having a bunch and having savings, uh, having your kids' college funds being slowly taken sure. care of to, to sell in your horses, selling your four wheelers, right, selling your guns, uh, selling your house just to keep things floating. So it was a, it was an extremely difficult time. I'll bet. The the divorce, uh looking back, there was just so much pressure pressure that we had the divorce and uh, then the fighting for the kids. Right. And I was lucky enough uh to get um, primary custody and have them nine months out of the year which wound up getting them 12 months out of the year. Sure. Wow. So I was done with the pizza business. <laughs> i uh, Because it's every day. You know, you don't get a break. Somebody trips and falls in the restaurant. Now you've got a lawsuit. Right. It was just, oh my gosh, was, there was so much. Um, but after getting my kids, I, I, I had a couple of restaurants left. I, I sold one. I had to put up a bunch of money so he could get financed. Um, I, I knew he probably wasn't going to make it, just because we thought operations were good. He eventually fell, and then they took you know my eighty thousand wow. dollars. The bank did. Sure. So now we we've got nothing, but I've got my three kids, and uh, I had a friend call me from California, a guy named Jay Trotter, and uh, I'd met him, oh my gosh, maybe fifteen years earlier, and uh, we were serving a mission together for okay. for our church, and at that time, but he called me and he said, hey, uh, my friend started this new company, California, and they need a salesperson. So there's my fork. Um, I don't know anything about sales, but I know how to talk to people because I knocked on doors for two years and I sat and rang the register and talked to people. And that's where it all started.
2: Nice. Now, I I always wonder this, uh, when you were making that decision, was that an intellectual problem to solve or was that a gut feeling to follow?
0: It, I knew, I, I got at that time to be really close to my kids. Um, it was, it's heartbreaking, you know, all of a sudden to you have your kids, their mom's not there. And, and it was very difficult. There's, there's a huge amount of guilt. Um, and I, Like I said, I still had my two, re- two restaurants at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to be around my kids more.
2: This is a hard decision, yeah,
0: it? Yeah, it, it was an easy decision, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, I knew it was going to cost me uh, as far as financially. But, you know, w- when you look at your kids and, and you, you see everything and you see the heartaches they're going through, then it was a very easy decision for me.
1: I'm going to be involved in their life. So it was, do I choose family or do I choose to continue to stay? You're trying to make the entrepreneurial ship. Work. Exactly, so,
0: but when Jay called, the guys from, from California, mm-hmm. they knew my predicament. And it was a great experience because they knew I had my kids. They knew I was gonna be a little bit limited on when I could go out of town for sales. Because in all reality, a, a sales guy, the more for me, uh, I sell the car dealerships, I sell uh, the accounting package or the entire package of software that, that houses the dealer's information but at that time, it was more of a customer management that, that I was working for, and I was going to have to go out of town. But these guys understood that I wouldn't be able to go out of town too much to begin, and they kind of taught me how to do sales. And, and how old were you at that point? Oh, let's see. I, I'm throwing this out there. Yep. It was probably 30...
1: 35, 36. 35, 36, there. single dad. Three kids, had yeah. Three kids, <laughs> had pretty much worked for himself the majority of his uh, you know, business career, and, and that's, that's the direction that you went. Wow.
2: Yeah, that is something.
3: Brad, the, uh, the, what's the age difference in the boys? I happen to know this, but... Uh, yeah, so the,
0: I had one son in, in 97, uh, had another one in 2000, and another one in 2001. All right. So uh, it was kind of interesting because the one that uh, is the oldest really took on the role at eight years old of being the mom slash protector of his brothers. Mm-hmm. And now he's uh, he's in college, makes he's got a four nice. uh, He's in the ROTC and just doing incredible. Okay. Huh. The other one, the middle one's a marine. Okay. And he's at Pendleton right now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, another straight A student. I'm just incredible smart. And then the other one is a junior in high school. He does pretty good in his grades. I can't complain. Go. He's a phenomenal baseball player.
1: That's what I hear. He's uh he's a, uh, what position does he play? Uh catcher. And so, where does he, uh, ah, Andre, that's the, that's the right <laughs> name. Yeah. Poopy pants. Yeah. Well, yeah. Back when he was <laughs> a little guy. Back
2: when he was a little uh, guy. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And, and where does he hope to go to school? You know, he, he doesn't
0: really care. Um, there's, it's interesting with him. He's very open. Uh, he's going to hopefully see if he can get a, a baseball scholarship somewhere. But if not, uh, Grandpa actually, this is another interesting story. Uh uh-huh. When when my dad saw me kind of fell and he he would set money up in a in a college fund for them, so they got a little bit of money for college.
2: Good, cool. That's, Are you hoping for a BYU or a Texas Tech? No,
0: you know I'm a Texas Tech grad. Uh, I would love to see him there. I would love <laughs> sure. to. What's the but hand
1: symbol s- symbol for a Texas Tech?
0: It's uh, it's like a gun. It's yeah. guns up. Yeah, okay, all, all right, right, there you so, go. There I'm you sure go. one of these days somebody's gonna get in trouble sure. and make them not do it. The guns up. It's great school.
2: Well, I, this I look. This has been an incredible story. I, I know how I'm leaning on this. No, do we want to. I want to ask one quick oh, question yeah, of here. Um, and
1: boy, we learned so much that we didn't know about you. But what's something that people don't know about you that you've already told us? Oh wow. Well, I, I tell you, I.
0: When I got the divorce, there was a lot of things that I did before that that I, I just kind of stopped. I enjoyed messing around on horses, four wheeling, and I loved hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my time became a little bit more limited and focusing on the kids. I I would t- try to take them hunting, uh, try to take them fishing, and we'd spend most of the time unwinding uh, the lines. and And my kids would argue with each other, so it got <laughs> kind of frustrating. But I kind of gave all that stuff up a little bit. I, I get to do it occasionally. Mm-hmm. But um gosh, that um No, that's, that's probably it's, it. it's honestly still it's
1: single. out there.
3: I've been it's, single for fifteen years raising my kids and uh just the way it is. Yeah. I've got two questions for you. So how many baseball games have you attended over the last uh let's say almost now probably <laughs> oh it's it's up there a number yeah. of years. The older two are in wrestling and yeah. I made it to all their matches
0: and, and they did good. Trent and I added up the uh the baseball games one year and he played over hundred games in one year just mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. so i i would say
3: minimum 70 a year wow yeah, that's <laughs> right T- and, and uh, t-bomb's a fun one to watch uh, <laughs> i appreciate that i man. uh the uh going back business wise uh brad <clears throat> taking a look at it back you know looking back at it now because there's going to be young kids that'll listen to this and aspiring business you know they're aspiring to be in business right they, they want to be an entrepreneur you know it sounds cool it's tough to spell sometimes but it's <laughs> if uh, if you could give uh, based on your life and and thank god you had the fortitude that you did um, for the boys and, and all the family but in terms of would you have changed anything or what would you I, give I, advice i tell you why when it comes to dealing with franchise franchise
0: franchisors and and CeCe's was a great example because the guy at the helm ran it very well, um, but once he sold it, then you had other people that uh, wanted to make the same amount of money that he was making. That's that's kind of how I threw it, and and uh, you got to really protect yourselves if you buy a franchise. Uh, luckily for you know the companies that, that I did, they they protected their their franchisees. Uh, there's other ones that don't really protect them. And what I mean by that is they'll let someone open a restaurant three miles down the road. And right. they don't care because now um, now they're, they're selling their product. The franchisor is making two franchisees by their product, um, but it just took half your sales. Yeah, Wow. And so I would make sure I got a good attorney, <laughs> but give you a heads up. Most franchisors, uh, their franchise agreements are pretty much non-negotiable.
2: Yeah, I can imagine.
0: So I, I would have liked to have known a little bit more professionally, uh, as far as that end. We did have an attorney, um, but then again, you're, you're you're buying their product, and and they get to tell you the way it's going to be ran. And I understand that. Um, I, I think I did good with my my accounting degree because I kept my own books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had as many as 250 employees at at once. <laughs> Wow. Uh, did my own payroll, and then I would at the end of the year hand everything to an accountant to do right. the adjustments. An accounting degree is an incredible degree. As far as sales, I've seen some of the best sales guys I've seen have an English degree. Sure, you know they have no, no background in business, but they've got the drive, and the, and they're able to talk and communicate. They're honest, and people that are looking for stuff are are kind of driven to those people.
1: Right? Yeah. Wow. All right, well, All right. I think this is the time uh, where we kind of go around the table. Uh, BD, as as you know Brad best, we'll, uh, we'll leave you the best for last on there. But uh, I, I can't say that you did anything wrong, and here's why. In my 20s and early 30s, I would have sat there and said, You're crazy. You chose family. Um, I've since become a father, and... Uh, I have to sit there, my viewpoints have definitely changed. So my young, my younger Brandon would have said, what are you thinking? <laughs> uh, the more <laughs> mature one today sits there and says, you absolutely did it right. You chose family and the look on your face and the amount of games that you go to on a uh, yearly basis, you, you can't get that back. So Brad, I, I'm gonna have to sit there and say, I appreciate you, it. you
2: chose correctly. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, hands yeah. down. You, you, you wanna be uh, in the stands watching the game, not in the alley. Uh, Busing and tables and stuff. I mean it uh you, you lead with your heart in this case, and it worked out just well I appreciate that. well It's an
3: incredible story and I happen to know have known Brad for quite some time and and I also know those three boys are doing pretty darn good so that choice no doubt was uh, ideal but your, your story is incredible because there will be young men and women aspiring to be in business that this right here is better than any class what you just said and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. high school, college, you name it, but uh, pretty, <laughs> oh, pretty incredible. And and the proofs in the pudding. And, and again, uh, Brad around the baseball diamond it was always fun, Make, make you chuckle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, but those those boys or years are proof that you that you did absolutely the most incredible thing that uh, any any father could do. I appreciate so, that. Yeah. All right,
1: we really appreciate the time, Brad. Um, everyone out there listening, we appreciate it. The information on Brad, how to find, will be down below. But again, thank you for listening to another episode of Breaking Business Barriers. My name is Brandon Straza, The Naked Agent, and we've got
2: Dr. Joseph Kay. And Brent
1: Duham. And Brad Massey. You've been listening to Breaking Business Barriers. For more information or if you have a compelling story to tell, find us on Facebook at Open Media Source.